All right. Well, it's good to see everyone out tonight. I'm glad to get this opportunity to be here. I'm excited to be home for the holiday season. It's actually been a while. I wasn't here last Christmas. I stayed in Oklahoma. So to get this opportunity to be back is it's good. And um, I enjoy any chance I have to come back to Bible Baptist and visit and preach uh, because this is my home church and it is really where my my heart is. And each and every one of you have invested so much in me. And I could, I, I'm tempted to list off names, but I could go grab a directory and just list them all off because each, each and every one of you have impacted my life <clears throat> in a different way. And um, you've reaped a lot in, in me, and I'm, I'm beginning to be able to sow a lot. So I thank you for that. Thank you all for this opportunity, and, um, and it's a tremendous blessing that you all have been to me. So thank you for that. And uh, I've been, you can go to Amos, the book of Amos. I'll have you turn to a specific passage here in a minute. I'm going to get through some things first. Uh, I've been enjoying my time at Heartland and have many opportunities to serve at Southwest Baptist Church. That's the church there where Heartland is out of. They're the, the church associated with it. So all the students from Heartland are required to go to Southwest. And that's where I have the ability to serve. I was talking to Brother Wes about it a second ago. There's a specific ministry that that I have the opportunity to serve in, and it's a Saturday morning visitation. And what it is is we'll send four or five buses out, and we'll go door knocking throughout Oklahoma City. And in that ministry, I'm one of the bus captains, so I, I'll ride the bus and um, have a couple administrative duties. I'll make the groups that go out on the streets and knock the doors. It's, it's a pretty good amount of students that are out, so each bus has a bus captain and someone in charge of handing out the tracks and collecting prospect cards that we have to fill out and, and things of that nature. And so I get that, that special opportunity to serve in that way. But every year we have, have some issues in that area. You see, there are certain rules that we have to keep and that I have to enforce being a little bit of, a, of an authority there and having a little bit of a position. There's, there's rules that I have to keep and enforce and that all the students have to keep and enforce because where we're going, it, it, Oklahoma City, I don't know if anyone's ever been there, but it's got a lot of ghetto parts of town, a lot of sketchy neighborhoods, a lot of wandering dogs, and, and a lot of homeless people. And so there's a couple of rules that we have that, that the students have to keep just to, for their own safety and, and for accountability's sake. So, for instance, we won't just send a group of girls out alone. It'll be usually at least three girls and two guys, and they got to stay together and um, knocking doors and, and things of that nature just, just for safety purposes because, because of issues we've had in the past. And so there's that rule there. And then there's something like um, when, when the girls and the guys go out and they start knocking the doors, we, we keep two, two guys at a door, no more than two guys, because um, it can get a little bit overwhelming if someone opens their door and they see three college A's guys standing like that. It can get a little bit weird, so we just keep two guys at, per door, and then, um, and then we keep them separated from the girls. Because you don't want it to kind of turn into this dating thing and, and then they go up to the door and air knock because they're talking to the girl they like. So just to avoid that and for accountability, we, we separate the guys and the girls. And, and, but this, this can present some issues because where there are rules, there are broken rules. And, um, that's something I've experienced. That's something I partook in in my teenage years. I broke a lot of rules. And, um, in that way, but you know, where there's rules, there, there's rules that are broken. And so we have issues every year because as a new group of freshmen come, come in, it's, it's kind of insane. They'll, they'll, they'll all be presented with the same rules, but it's almost like you can see it go in one ear and then out the other. 
um, every year because, you know, we'll, we'll have these the, a time where we'll, we'll announce the rules more specific than what I just did, obviously, but kind of like I just did and, and help people understand this is what we're going to do. We have to follow these rules. But there's always someone who, who doesn't get it. It just goes out one ear. And so I can think of a couple times the second week, this, this last semester, when we, were, we dropped off all the, all, the, all the people on the streets. They were knocking the doors and, and doing all that. And then as we come around and pick them up, I saw the girls out in a group split up, and then the guys were far away, and, and that's an issue. We can't leave the girls out walking alone in, in Oklahoma City in the ghetto. It, it, it's not a great situation. It's dangerous, and, and oftentimes they're stray dogs, so you want them to be together. So when you run into a situation like that, you, you got to deal with it. You got, you got to deal with it. You got to, you got to let the guys know, listen, you can't leave these girls. You can't let them wander off alone. They're, it's dangerous and you guys need to stay together. That's just the rule that we have in place. It's, it's important for, for those reasons. And then there's another time where, where we were out driving and, and we were coming to pick up the groups and there was, a guy and a girl, a boyfriend and a girlfriend, of course, they were knocking the doors together, and that's not supposed to happen. And so when you run into situations like that, you, you have to deal with it. And, and issues like that come up often, and every time the issue has to be addressed, someone has to deal with it. And this is a concept I think we, we can all understand. When you do something wrong at work, your boss is going to deal with you for that. If, if you're not putting the proper amount of time in for what you're getting paid for, if you're slacking off, if you're not doing the, the jobs you're supposed to be doing, if your boss has noticed that, he's going to deal with you. Maybe you're in authority at work and you have subordinates under you. If they're not, if they're not doing the work they need to do and if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, you're going to have to deal with them for that. At, at college, um, we obviously have rules in place, and I know we have a couple college students in here, I think. We have some rules in place, and if you go to rather a Christian college or a Bible, or a Christian college or a secular college, anywhere you go, there's going to be rules in place, and if you disobey those rules, you're going to be dealt with for that. And, and in that way. If you're driving down the highway and fly past a cop going 80 and a 65, they're going to deal with you for that. So I hear. I haven't experienced that yet, of course. They're going to deal with you. That's what I've been told. If you eat any of, I can, I can corroborate this. If you eat any of Pastor, Pastor's sweet, he has stuffed away in the sweets, he has stuffed away in the fridge for his personal enjoyment. Just a heads up, he will deal with you for that. So be careful. And we can understand this concept regarding human relationship. We, we can understand that when there's an authority, and, and maybe you are the authority or you have an authority, but when there's a subordinate that's, that's not doing what they should be doing, you, you gotta deal with it. And we, are, we can understand that concept in, in relation from, from uh, each other and, and, and human relation, but that's a concept that also plays into relation between man and God. When, when we sin against God, God will deal with it. If you don't adhere to God's commandments, He'll deal with you. If you steal, lie, cheat, hate, lust, God will deal with you. If you have a relationship that's not pure, God will deal with you. If you have a friendship that pulls you from God that isn't biblical, God will deal with you for that. If you pervert God's message or his messenger, he will deal with you. God will deal with you for sin against him. He'll deal with you for that. And the message tonight, uh, his title is God's Response to Man's Rejection. Because in our text, we'll see rejection of God's message. We'll see Amos' message being rejected because of misunderstanding of God being his source. But the question is, how will God deal with it? 
And we'll find this evident in our text that I'm going to have you turn to in a second. But, but first, I want to show you exactly what this looked like. And to know what is really crucial to know, we need to know the setting that Amos was in in this chapter. And I actually had the opportunity here to go through Amos chapter 1 and 2. And so some of you might be kind of familiar, but I'm just going to recap it for those who aren't. In, in Amos chapter 1, God calls Amos to prophesy against the nations of Israel's and even the nations surrounding Israel. And so Amos would go and he would prophesy against against these different nations. He would go to a nation. He, would, he, was, if, he was prophesying from Israel, but he was prophesying against all these nations. So he would say, for three transgressions of, of Tyre, but for four I will not turn away my judgment. And for three transgressions of Edom, and for four I will not go, turn away my judgment. And he's, he's listing off these nations and, and saying how they're going to be judged for their transgressions against, against God, and, and how they're going to be judged, and, and how he's going to deal with them, and, and how God's going to deal with them. And he's going down this list, and, and down the list, and down the list, and down the list. And as Israel was, was sitting here, they would have enjoyed that, as these are their enemies that, that were being prophesied against, so they would have, they would have enjoyed that. They would have liked the idea of their enemies being punished. But then God gets to, then Amos gets to Israel and says, for three transgressions of Israel, for four I will not turn away my judgment. And then it get, hits a little bit closer to home. And Amos in chapter three would give the reasons for Israel's prophesied downfall. And in our chapter, we see the first narrative in the book of Amos. And the narrative is there to show us the reaction of God's message uh, through Amos and what it would have looked like and how we, and then how God dealt with it. So you can go ahead and turn to Amos seven. Amos chapter 7, we're going to begin reading in verse 10, where we'll see the narrative begin. So Amos chapter 7 and verse 10. It says there in verse 10, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, a change of audience, he's talking to Amos, now he was talking to the king, now he's talking to Amos, O thou seer, go, flee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread, and prophesy there. But prophesy not any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel, lowercase k, the king's chapel, and it is the king's court. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was an herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go prophesy my people unto my people Israel. I'm going to open up in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've done for us tonight, Lord. Help us to have a, a good rest of the service tonight. Speak through me, Lord, and, and use me only as your mouthpiece, Lord. Thank you for this church and everything they've done for me, and pray that I can be a blessing back to them, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So these 15 verses that we just covered, there's, there's kind of an overall thing going on. And what's going on here is Amaziah is resisting Amos' message due to his misinterpretation of the source of his message. So Amaziah has a misinterpretation here. And there's a couple things that are playing into it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hunk that we need to cover before we understand how God's going to deal with that misinterpretation. We need to understand the misinterpretation. And so we're going to deal with that here. And to, and to deal with that, uh, we need to see the point of view that Amaziah was looking at. 
Because when you're looking at situations, and you've probably heard this before, everyone has a different point of view and, and what it looks like differently. And, and Amos is really, or sorry, Amaziah is really the main part of the story here. He's, he's who, who, who we need to look to to understand what's going on here. And so we're going to look at Amaziah and his point of view. And, and we see this in Amaziah's identification. It says there in verse 10, Amaziah, the priest of Bethel. Amaziah's position was not of a true priest of God. He was a priest of the king. The phrase priest of Bethel, it was sort of an oxymoron because he's, he's a priest and a priest is supposed to be a priest of God. But, but when he's saying he's a priest of Bethel, something you have to understand is, is where Bethel was. Well, Bethel was in Israel and God had set up a temple in, in Judah and this was supposed to be the place of worship in Jerusalem. This is where the place of worship was supposed to be. And so Amaziah identifying as a priest of Bethel, he was identifying as a false priest. This, this was a place where it would have commonly been known for worship idols. This wasn't a place where, where, where worship of God partook. And so Amos' identification was that of a false priest. And we see him go to the king, this, this false priest, because that was his authority. You see, the, the king established the temple, not God. The king established the temple. And so, the, 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 so Amaziah is going to the king because the king is his authority. He fears a king. He's not fearing the king. He's not fearing the, the king who he should be fearing. He's, he's fearing a king. He's fearing the, the king Jeroboam. And so he goes to him. And it made sense because it, it was who he feared. If he was under God's authority, he would have feared him. And so we see Amaziah is a self-serving priest who sought to look out for himself. And in verse 11, Amaziah goes to the king about Amos' message. Amaziah twisted what Amos sought to accomplish to be more of a conspiracy than it was, most likely to get to the king, the king on his side. So he goes to this king and, and he says, the word Amos has conspired against thee. Well, that's not necessarily true. Amos was just prophesying what, what God had him prophesy, but Amaziah goes and says, the king, he's conspiring against you. Well, well, Amaziah right here, he's protecting himself because he's supposed to be the priest in, in Bethel. He's the priest. This falls on him. And so Amos coming and stirring up the pot and, and, and causing grief among the people, this would turn the king's eyes to Amaziah. So Amaziah is going to the king and saying, listen, this is Amos. He's conspiring against you. He's trying to overthrow you. He's misconstruing the message. Amaziah would have been afraid of the repercussions that came from the king, so afraid that he doesn't even consider the repercussions that would come from God. And in Amaziah's first response, we see his identification which reflected how he was interpreting and receiving the message. But this comes out even more so in verses 12 through 13. Verse 12 says, Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go, flee away from the land of Judah, and eat, eat bread, and prophesy there. Well, first off, we see Amaziah called Amos a seer. And when I read this at first, it was, it was interesting to read, because in my mind, seer has a bad connotation, but this was really actually Amaziah properly titling Amos. Seer means literally someone who would predict the future, and that's what Amos was a prophet. That's what he was doing is predicting the future. And so Amaziah is recognizing Amos as, as a prophet, or yeah, as a prophet. He's recognizing that, which is interesting because, because Amaziah, if he was recognizing him as a prophet, why wouldn't he be afraid of the consequences from God? Well, it's because he had a misunderstanding of, of the source of Amos' message. Because he was doing something here, and we're going to see this in a second. 
And go down to, to verse, 12, verse 12 when he says, eat, Amaziah told Amos to go eat bread in Judah. And keep in mind, Amaziah acknowledged Amos as a prophet. So by telling them this, he's saying he's better off prophesying in Judah. He, him saying eat bread there was in a way him telling Amos that there was more to make there. Go, he said go eat bread in Judah. Prophesy there. There's, there's, you can go and prophesy there. There's, there's bread for you to eat there. Go eat bread in Judah. Because he was reflecting himself onto Amos. Amaziah was a priest, and, and this is important. Amaziah was a priest who was self-serving. He was doing this to, to eat bread in Israel. He was doing this for, for himself and for his family and for his lineage, and, and he was doing this for himself. And he was reflecting that onto Amos. And so he, he views Amos as a prophet, but a false prophet, just like Amaziah was. He's reflecting himself onto Amos. Amaziah sought to remove God's message from his life in order to, th- to keep the things he cared about most, such as his livelihood. He, he went to the king, and then he went to Amos to try to get Amos out of, out of there to reroute the message. And we can be just like Amaziah and seek to remove God's message from our lives to protect the things we care about. We may have, a, we may have something in our lives that, that shouldn't be there. And we may have something in our lives that's in direct contradictory to God's message. Well, God's message is, is different then than it is now, obviously. There's no prophets. But, but we, have, we have God's message in this. God's, God's breathed, breathed out, inspired inspiration, God's message. And, and maybe you have something that's in direct contradiction to that. But, but you want to keep it. Well, we have, we have the tendency to when that happens, when that conflict comes, when you're at church and you hear, when you hear preaching against, against something that you have in your life, when we, when you hear, when you hear the word of God talked about something of that nature that you, that you want to keep, we have the tendency to reroute the message out of our lives instead of that thing we want to keep. Maybe a, a, maybe a pet sin or, or maybe a relationship or maybe a, a friendship you shouldn't be in. We have the tendency to reroute the message. Just like Amaziah, we can resist God's message in an attempt to protect the things we care about. But God's going to deal with it. And God's going to deal with it in Amaziah's life. And I, I think we can get a sense of, of what that looks, would look like in our lives. What we see going on here is Amaziah reflecting who he is onto who Amos was. A priest who was doing the Lord's work to eat bread at the end of the day. And because of this, he sought to protect his livelihood. Amaziah was doing what he did for his lineage, his land, and his life for the king. But Amos, Amos was doing this for a deepest pur- deeper purpose, which comes out in his response. First, we'll see Amaziah's resistance of the message was resistance to God, not Amos. You know, when I was younger, sometimes, I have one of my older sisters here, sometimes my older sisters would, would tell me what to do. And I don't know if you have older siblings, but the response is natural. We all know the response. You can't tell me what to do. We all know that, right? Your older sibling can't tell you what to do. Well, then there was other times where my sister would come and she'd say, hey, dad told me to tell you to do this. Dad told me to, to tell you to take out the trash. Dad told me to tell you to, to do this chore. When, when they came with, with, that, with that behind them, they had a little bit different authority. Now, now me saying no to them, me saying no to them, it, it would have been directly face-to-face rejecting them. But they were carrying a message, and it was ultimately disobedience to my dad. It was ultimately disobedience to him. And so Amos is coming. He's coming to Amaziah with a message, and he's, he's giving him this message, and Amaziah's rejecting it. 
He's rejecting the message because he doesn't understand the source of the message. And Amos is about to redirect it back to the source. But first he's saying, listen, I didn't want to be a prophet. And this is good. He's saying, I, I didn't want this for me. I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this for myself like Amaziah is doing. I'm not doing this to protect the things I'm caring about. I'm putting myself in, in danger. This isn't for me. But God called me. God called me to prophesy. And what he's doing is he's redirecting back to his source. And he's, he's, letting, he's letting Amaziah know, listen, by, by, disobedient, by, by rejecting the message that I'm relaying, you're ultimately rejecting God because God is the source of the message. And so he's redirecting it back to his source. You know, oftentimes there's going to be things, there's going to be things that, that we deal with in day-to-day life, maybe controversial subjects, maybe confrontation, or maybe we're dealing with things in our own lives and, and, we, don't, and we, don't, we don't have really clarity. Well, listen, if, you, if in those decision-making and in those topics you have to address, if you can redirect it back to this source, the Word of God, this is God's will, if we can redirect it back to this, then we have ground to stand on. If you're dealing with subjects that are hard, and, and maybe you get pushback, maybe you get rejection on a message, if we can redirect it back to our source, we have ground to stand on. We do. <clears throat> you might deal with people who misinterpret God's message for the same reason. But if you have a source, you have ground to stand on. Amos emphasizes his call from God and his inadequacy for it. Amos points out that this was not his choice, nor this is what he wanted, but this is what God called him to do. He redirected to his source. But to do that, you've got to be able to have God as your source. And Amos had God as his source. But we need to be able to have God as our source to do something like that, to, to respond to proper rejection we well, see, Amaziah was misinterpreting God's message because he didn't understand God was the source. He thought Amos was. Amos then makes it clear the source of his message, but that rejection from Amaziah was still there. Amaziah desired the mes- denied the message, misconstrued the message, and even attempted to reroute the message. We talked about earlier how authority deals with its subordinates when they do wrong. And, and for Amaziah, this was not the exception. In these next verses, we see how God deals with Amaziah. In verses 16 through 17, I'm going to read him. Now therefore, hear thou the word of the Lord. Thou sayest, prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, thy wife shall be a harlot in the city, and thy sons and daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided in the line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth from this land. God denounced Amaziah for his rejection of the message by taking his lineage, his land, and his life. Amaziah's rejection of the prophecy had repercussions. Amos points out that Amaziah said, Drop not thy word against Israel, which is basically a way of saying, Don't speak harshly against them. And and Amos is pointing this out. Again, it's emphasizing Amaziah's misunderstanding because because he doesn't understand the source of of Amos' message. Amaziah's punishment for this rejection was losing everything he would have cared about and everything he originally wanted to protect. Because of what he did, Amaziah would lose everything in his pursuit to protect himself. He ended up destroying his life and even affecting more people around him. God dealt with Amaziah's misinterpretation of his message by putting the things he cared about most on the line. And God will respond to our rejection of his message by putting the things you care about most on the line. 
We talked about things that we might want to protect when, when the message comes across to us. I, I don't know all the issues in this room, but, but we know those things that, that when a message is, is said and, and we hear, we hear God's message through, in various ways, whether it's through preaching, whether it's through His Word directly, we hear His message and, and there might be, there might be the attempt to want to reroute it. But it's important to understand God's going to deal with that. God's going to deal with His misinterpretation by taking the things, maybe the very things you sought to protect. We won't be able to get, keep what God tells us to give up, so give it to Him. We have the tendency to reject God's message and His messengers when we have a misinterpretation of the source of the message, but by God's grace, we have the opportunity to accept it freely. And that's God's response to man's rejecting. God will respond to your rejection of His message by putting the things you care about most on the lines and often the things we sought to protect. And the longer we hold on to those things that God told us to let go, the more we reject God's message, the closer we get to God dealing with it. And I want to challenge you all to accept God's message because we have the ability to accept it freely. If you have something in your life that God's been tugging on your heart about, get it right with Him because the outcome of the rejection of His message can ultimately end up in losing the very thing you sought to protect. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've done for us today. Thank you for the ability we have to come and hear your word, Lord, and hear your message. And pray, pray for us to take the advantage of accepting your message freely, Lord, and not, not denying it, Lord, but to, to freely accept it. Thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for, again, this opportunity. Pray for safe travels during the holidays and a good rest of our week, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.